If you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Phil Baker. Now let's dig into history. Hey, y'all, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith. Thank you so much for praying for me, for my family, for my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall. We appreciate it so much. Well, this week, we're closing up my four-part interview with Dan Enright about how Christians evangelized in the first century. In episode 26, we discover how the early Christians used the prophets and particularly the book of Isaiah, to demonstrate the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the prophesied Messiah. Dan is a professor at the Bible Seminary in Houston, Texas, and is also the community group's pastor at my church. This is definitely an inspirational and educational interview that you don't want to miss. And if you're blessed by this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you'd take time to leave an honest review on my iTunes channel, Reclaiming the Faith. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at my website, reclaimingthefaith.podbean.com, or email me at emailphilsbaker at gmail.com. In 2016, I wrote a book called New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ, and you can find this book on Amazon, and if it's a blessing to you, please also leave an honest review there. Well, I've started an EP uh, a short album, basically, of some songs that I've been ri- writing over the last five years. There are going to be seven songs on it, and uh, I'm really excited to share these songs with you. But I-, I do need your help to help cover some of the cost of production and paying the musicians. I've started a GoFundMe page, and um, if you contribute twenty dollars uh, to this fund, to this project, uh, you'll get a full hard copy basically a physical cd of those seven songs plus you'll get a five song demo cd of me and an acoustic playing five different songs so a total of 12 songs if you contribute 20 dollars to this project and if you contribute 30 dollars to the project not only will you get the hard copy limited run of the uh physical ep and the five um the five song demo of me and an acoustic of, of other songs. You'll also get a free copy of my book, new wineskins and the simple words of Christ. And, you know, of course, if you feel led to donate more than that, uh, by, by all means, <laughs> go ahead. Um, yeah. So there is a link to that GoFundMe page in the show notes. Uh, so please check that out. All right, well, finally, I am so blessed to be a part of Justin Fall's Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready With An Answer. And you can contact BDK at omegafrequency.com, and you can send in questions for that Q&A show there. And in addition to our own channels, you can find each of our podcasts at fourthwatchradio.com or on the Fourth Watch Radio podcast. And 
Uh, I said finally earlier, but I promise this is the last thing. Uh, the, uh, the early Christian quotes that I use almost always can be found on the CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers. And you can purchase your copy for $5 on the Scroll Publishing website, which is scrollpublishing.com. All right. Well, man, I'm so excited to get this fourth part of my interview with Dan Enright in. So let's listen to part four of First Century Evangelism with Dan Enright. All right. So Dan Enright, man, you have been such an amazing guest. Thanks, and Phil. You've been an amazing host. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. But man, I've been just getting so much from this conversation and we've we've looked at like how the the apostles would evangelize using the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible. We've looked at the Hebrew Bible. We've looked at um Jesus in the Torah, in the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Bible. And we've looked at Jesus in the writings, particularly in Psalms and Proverbs. And now we're going to move on to how we see Jesus in the section of the prophets. So like major, minor prophets. But I know we're going to like center in on Isaiah primarily. So Dan, take it away. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, for we could go to so many places in the prophets to, to talk about this subject. But I think in the interest of time, um, I think the, the best place we could land is in the book of Isaiah. Mm. And, it, and it, it just reminds, this reminds me of one of uh, our visits to uh, Israel. Mm. We have uh, some friends over there. And, and the reason I bring this up now is we're going to be looking at what they call the the servant song or referred to as the servant songs yeah. in Isaiah which are Isaiah 42 Isaiah 49 Isaiah 50 and then Isaiah 53 mm. um, but why I'm reminded of the story I'll, I'll you'll you'll start to kind of see here in a little bit but one of our visits to to Israel um, had the opportunity to talk to a, a friend of ours who is Jewish and not messianic, not a mm. follower of follower of Yeshua, mm. and so we had this incredible conversation. Um, several hours we talked, and at one point he just looked at me and he asked me, "What is salvation?" Mm. And that, that question just hit me like a load of bricks. Yeah. Because I can't go to John 3.16. I can't go to Ephesians 2.8.9. I can't go to Romans 3. My friend does not see the New Testament as authoritative. Um, however, he does see the Tanakh as authoritative. And those are, are would he consider those his his scriptures? Yeah. So that question, what is salvation? Um, I think about Isaiah because in in Isaiah, when we get to this the servant songs, um, these passages start to build a picture 
of what salvation is ultimately going to look like, especially mm-hmm. in the context of dialoguing with a, a Jewish person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, no doubt about it, our, our salvation is, is in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we trust Him. We put our faith in Him. Uh, for salvation, but that question from a non-believing Jew is is completely different. Yeah. And so, where where do you go to answer a question like that um, from from a Jewish person who is not trusted in Yeshua? Mm. So, I think the servant psalms are are a great place because what the servant are the servant songs. Excuse me. What the servant songs develop is a figure called the servant who is ultimately going to bring what what we could consider salvation in a in a large universal sense yeah so when we look at psalm 4 or isaiah 42 it starts out behold my servant whom i uphold my chosen in whom my soul delights i have put my spirit upon him he will bring forth justice to the nations and that ultimately is the Lord's servant setting things right. Mm. It goes on to, um, to say in verse 2, He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. Hmm. And the coastlands wait for his law. Yeah. So this individual is coming, and he's going to set things right. Yeah. In the earth, universally. Yeah. And so, starting in Isaiah 42, it starts to to build this picture of this servant. Who is he? Um, and it also talks about some miraculous things that he does. Right. Absolutely. Right. Like he's going to open the eyes of the blind right in verse 7 yes and to bring prisoners out of the dungeon absolutely so um, maybe that's a reference to not just like out of the kingdom of darkness but maybe like all the exorcisms that Jesus did you know mm-hmm. these people that are really enchained to the devil um, like the uh, demoniac Mm-hmm. And I think it's Mark 5, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pretty neat stuff that's going on there. Yeah, and another thing, it starts to, we, we really start to understand a picture of the scope of God's, dare I say, re- redemptive plan through this individual. Mm. In, in the verse preceding 7 where it says, I will give you as a covenant for the people yeah. a light for the nations. Right, right, right. So it goes beyond the uh, the realm of the nation of Israel and God is basically saying, look, I am going to be working this uh, into all nations. Mm. And of course that goes back to the covenant with Abraham, Genesis 12, mm. where, uh, where we see uh, God's scope of uh, of the blessing that's going to come eventually, yeah. you know, through through Abraham down the line, yep. uh, and and to Messiah. So Psalm, or I I keep saying Psalm, but Isaiah. It's kind of written poetically, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. So Isaiah forty two starts to build this picture, and yeah. when we get to Isaiah forty nine, 
um, the servant is at times uh, the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. Uh, God shows a specific people, Israel, um, to to actually be a light for the nations. Right. Um, So at points in the servant songs, uh, the servant is referred to as um, as the nation of Israel, uh, like in in uh, Isaiah forty nine, uh, but then it it does come back to uh, this servant. Ultimately, the individual servant is going to serve the nation yeah. of Israel. So it starts to be refined even more, and and it centers on this individual servant. He's going to uh, serve the nation. Um, so in moving on to uh, Isaiah 49, it talks to, to um, well, it speaks to uh, this notion of Israel the nation being the servant in verse 3. Mm. And he said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified. Speaking of the nation. Uh, but when we get down to uh, verse 5, uh, and now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him. Jacob's referring to the nation of Israel. Yeah. And this servant is going to bring the yep. nation back to the Lord. And I, I love verse 6 in, in Isaiah 49, where, again, we start to see a, a very definitive scope of God's plan, mm. where he says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Yeah. So we have this universal scope of the salvation that this servant is going to bring. Yeah. And it's really neat. Like even in the next verse, thus says the Lord, the redeemer, this is seven. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, its Holy One. Like, um, in Mark, I think it's chapter 1, when he's running into a a person that's demonized, the demon says, like, I know who you are. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Mm -hmm. Right? And Jesus doesn't say, no. I'm not the Holy One of God. That's that's a title that's given to him. Yeah. And it comes back to this messianic aspect and also this aspect of Yahweh himself. The Lord is the Holy One. The Lord is the Redeemer of Israel. Yep. And so this Messiah character is connected with Yahweh. He and Yahweh are one. Absolutely. He does display God's glory to the nations because Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Mm-hmm. You know, like Hebrews would say in, in chapter one. That's good. There's just a lot of meat here in, in Isaiah. It's just, oh. it's all over the place. It really is. Yeah. It, it's packed yeah. with, with all kinds of that. So getting back to the servant songs, um, and, and again, we're just kind of briefly yep. skimming, uh, the surface. skimming the surface of all that, that's really there. Yeah. Um, in, in Isaiah 50, uh, the servant song, uh, starting in verse 4, the Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught 
that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Hmm. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. So we start to see a picture of this servant who has come to redeem Israel, to bring Israel and the nations back to the Lord. We start to see a picture now that he is going to suffer abuses. Yeah. He's going to be... um, He's going to be... um, Persecuted, yeah, and he's going to suffer physical violence. He's going to be tortured. He's going to be tortured. Yeah, yeah. So, starting in fifty, we see this this servant um, coming to um, the place where now we realize that the people are going to turn on him. Yeah, and he's going to be, uh, like you say, Phil, tortured. Yeah, um, and then once we get to our final servant song in Isaiah 53 we'll see that uh, very clearly and this is so great too like right after he talks about how he's going to be tortured verse 7 so that's verse 6 mm-hmm. verse 7 says for the Lord God helps me therefore I'm not disgraced therefore I have set my face like flint mm. and I know that I will not be dis- not be ashamed and it's like bringing me back to I think it's Mark 10 the, the last time he talks about being killed and tortured by the Gentiles before uh, the upper room scene. And and Mm -hmm. this is the last time he does it. And so right after he says that in Mark 10, it says, and then he he set his face resolutely toward Jerusalem. That's right. You know? Absolutely. And I was it's, just it, thinking of those passages. Yeah, it's it's like a clear reference to Isaiah 50 here in verse 6. Like, he, he talks about, look, guys, they're going to torture me. And then he sets his face like flint because he knows God's with him mm-hmm. through this. So, just a little clear parallel. Mark, kinda, Mark seems to be touching back to... Uh, to Isaiah 50 there. And this is a gospel. This is evangelism. That's right. In, in Mark's gospel, that's yeah. making these connections for people. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, in was it in Caesarea Philippi, after Peter's great confession, didn't, was it Jesus that said, um, you know, I must go to Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, and at that point, you know, he's, I'm going to be rejected. I'm going yeah. to all this kind of stuff. Right. So I, I see that. In, in the same sense that you do as um, Jesus having this in mind. Yep. I set my face like a flint. Yep. And he directed himself into that, uh, into the Father's plan that he yep. had for him. Yeah. So, yeah, it's awesome. Cool. So now we're moving to 53. Isaiah 53. Right on. Yep. And this is where we, we start to see a... Um, this um, this sense of the servant suffering, hmm. and in Isaiah fifty three, it it really develops it in terms of what the servant would have to go through in order to bring not only the nation of Israel but the entire world to back to God. Yeah, and and really we don't want to forget that. 
all the way back in Genesis 3.15. This was the plan. Hmm. The, the Messiah, this individual, would be struck on the heel. Hmm. Um, and, and this is the theme that runs through, uh, especially up to and through Isaiah 53, uh, that goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15. So when we read parts of Isaiah 53, it, it's intense. Um, we think about what the Messiah goes through. And some of it is absolutely just gut-wrenching. Mm. When we when we read about it, um, actually the um, the chapter starts in yeah, fifty two thirteen. Yep, talking about the servant. Yep, uh, behold, my servant shall act wisely; he shall be high and lifted up, shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred mm. beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. Man, I didn't get that until I watched The Passion. Oh, yeah. That, the crucifixion scene really made Isaiah 52 pop out. Like the way he looks when he's actually on the cross. Did it do that for you? Yes. I've never, I don't think there's ever been a movie done quite like that. Yeah. That that shows the degree of suffering that that we can come up with yeah right. to to um produce yeah in in that context i know a lot of um scholars who, who think that it probably was worse right than what the movie portrayed yeah you know but i think i'm with you that that movie really put this in a whole new context for me mm. you know yeah, was, it was really difficult. I think to watch. I was speechless for days. Yeah, golly, <laughs> you know, yeah. seriously, it was it was unbelievable. Yeah. So fifty three. So fifty three. Um, again, I, I, as I'm, as I'm, as I've worked through the servant songs, I, I continue to think about the question that my friend, my Jewish friend, asked me: What is salvation? Hmm. And, and where can I take him in, yeah. in, um, in the scriptures, in the Tanakh, to, to, to show him salvation? Yeah. And, and I think the servant songs are, are, are passages, are, are chapters that, that can be played. And, and what is really profound about Isaiah 53, when we, when we realize in 50 that, that this servant... That is that is serving Israel, that is serving Jacob, is is going to be abused. Um, it wasn't just for himself. Mm-hmm. In Isaiah fifty three, what we what is so clearly stated is that it was a vicarious suffering. Oh. It was for the other. Um, when we get down to verse four of chapter fifty three, surely he has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Mm. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the servant, the iniquity of us all. So the vicarious nature of the suffering of the servant is so clearly delineated in Isaiah 53 that um, we can clearly take away from this that Christ... I'm sorry, let me back up. Messiah, mm. at this point, the servant, sure. is dying for the nation. Yeah. And, and, and as we learned from Isaiah 49, uh, it, it not only extends to the nation of Israel, but it extends universally yeah. to the nations. So over and over again, through, through Isaiah 53, it's, it's this vicarious suffering of the servant yeah. for the nation. And like, you know, there's this, this is a little analogy, but um, there's debate about Babe Ruth's called shot in the 32 World Series, right? Was he pointing to the Cubs dugout before he hit his second home run yeah. in game two? Or was he pointing to the outfield? Like there are all these different accounts. Right. And then he hits a ball just right of center field, you know, and on the very next pitch. And so did he or did he not call his shot? It's kind of vague. It's kind of yeah, right. you know, ambiguous there. But there's no ambiguity. There's no, there's no vagueness with these prophecies in Isaiah 53. Like God called his shot over and over with pinpoint accuracy through Isaiah, through all these prophecies that we've been discussing. He did. Like in verse 9, when it talks about the Messiah, in 53, verse 9, his grave was assigned with wicked men, but he was with a rich man in his death, right? Like Jesus is crucified next to two wicked men, two insurrectionists. Yep. You know, and that's what Jesus was crucified for, really. It's insurrection toward the empire because he's calling himself a king mm-hmm. you know and then right. he's with a, a rich man in his death because he gets joseph of arimathea's tomb one of the richest guys in jerusalem probably you know, he's a member of yeah. the sanhedrin and it's really neat like all through isaiah all through the the old testament god doesn't make these vague prophecies he calls his shot so specifically Mm -hmm. it's just incredible do you have anything you want to comment on that well yeah just moving from that from uh, verse 9 to verse 10 Mm. is one of the toughest verses to handle for me you know yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him right he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he will see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. So that, so when the servant um, makes this sacrifice, um, there is a a future after that. Right. It doesn't stop with that. Yeah. You know, which is um, it's hinting toward the resurrection. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we get down to verse twelve, again, therefore I will divide him portion with the many he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death yeah and was numbered with the transgressors 
yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Yeah. It's so clear. Yeah. That this servant is suffering, is is dying for the nation. Yeah. Um, it, it can't be that... I, I've heard it interpreted by people that this is... Who, who has suffered more than the Jews? This is talking about the nation of Israel. Yeah. But the nation does not die for itself. Right. Right. This is clearly an individual, a servant, who comes along and dies for the nation uh, of Israel. Um, I remember a friend of mine um, on a trip to Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of this stuff happens over there, of course, but when we get into conversations about this. But he um, he he could not get a seat next to his wife on the, on his trip to, this trip to Israel even though they <laughs> oh, no, had that's terrible they it's a booked long way it. to go oh it's yeah, yeah. it's a track <laughs> yeah so the, somehow it, they they got separated in the seating yeah and they couldn't they would not change it back so yeah. my friends uh, walking down the aisle of the plane and I think this was flying out of Philadelphia and there's a whole section of Hasidic Jews sitting mm. in this in the plane okay and and my my friend looks in the midst of all these Hasidic Jews sitting there, and there's one seat open, and he's going, "That's probably my seat." Yeah. <laughs> and it actually was. So wow. they're flying, and, um, and and so Paul, my friend, yeah, his name's Paul. He uh, started uh, a conversation with uh, the Hasidic Jew next to him, and my friend said, "As it was just like out of nowhere, totally random." looked at him, said to my friend, who killed Christ? Oh, man. How do you answer that? Right? So my friend, Paul, um, immediately thinks context. Okay, what is going to have the most impact? What does this, um, this individual see as authoritative in terms of a spiritual conversation? Yeah. Tanakh. Yeah. Um, and so he took him, he, he goes, well, a lot, a lot of people think it was the Romans. A lot of people think it was the Jews. A lot of people think it was all of us. But he took him to Isaiah 53.10. Yeah. And he said, ultimately, it was God. And that blew open the conversation for the rest of the trip. And even to this day, this was a number of years ago, even to this day, they're in contact. Mm. And and Paul continues to evangelize and witness to him. And, um, wow. Who know he may have even come to faith in Yeshua at this point, but yeah. you know it, it. It's why is the the Old Testament important? There you go. Mm. You know, ultimately, still even to this day, uh, it's going to be the law, the prophets, the writings that bring, um, in this case, a Jew to the place of faith in Yeshua for righteousness. And it's so cool that, like, Isaiah, it doesn't just tell you what salvation is. It'll also tell you who salvation is. Yes. Salvation is not just a what, it's a who. And, like, in in Isaiah 12, um, Isaiah 12, verse 2 and 3, were quoted at every Shavuot. At every Feast of Tabernacles, mm-hmm. you have this great water ceremony going on. 
And they would quote, they would sing these words, they would shout them. You know, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. Right? As they're doing that water ceremony. It's cool, like in John 8, I think. No, John 7. John 7, where Jesus goes at the last great day of the feast. So it's an eight-day feast, tabernacle. Yeah. Says. Yep. It was when they're having the most, like, emphasis on the water. He says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And wells of living water, you know, will flow out of John 7. Yeah. As they're quoting, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. And it's like, it's so awesome because who is saying that? It's Yeshua Who's saying that? You, you've referenced Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua. And the word salvation is Yeshua. <laughs> you yeah. know, and he's saying, come to me. Come to me if you're thirsty. It's so cool. Like, God is my salvation. Mm-hmm. It's not just a what, it's a who. It's a... <laughs> It's a what that became a who, a who that became a what, like That's all in one. Great, Phil. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's interesting in that passage too. Um, there was usually a shofar blast yeah. that happened at that time. Yeah. So John is careful to record that Jesus cried out mm. at the feast, and yeah. if you if you look at that the term cried out. Yeah. It's the same term that the demons used. Mm. It's this, the emotion, the expression was so intense for Jesus at that point. Right. It's the same expression that, um, that, that is used of the demons, like crying out Mm. when they encountered him. Yeah. So the intensity of Jesus at that moment, uh, to, to what I think to drown out the sound of the shofar, Mm. And to say, it's me. Yeah, I'm right Come here, guys. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. So cool. Well, Dan, I'll, as we're bringing this to a close, I want to give you the last opportunity. Is there anything on your heart that you wanted to share that you haven't shared yet? Anything God's putting on your mind, like a final word? And then if you'd pray for us after that. Sure. Um, Jesus Christ is just littered throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation mm. and he's found he's found everywhere yeah in there and I think it's it's upon us to um, to look for him in that mm. um, you and I were talking earlier about how we see specific fulfillments that are recorded especially in Matthew mm. this happened to fulfill this yeah. but there are all those other ones when we start to dig and, and we have the Spirit of God leading us in our Bible studies um, that we can see um, how amazing God is in, um, in, in taking His plan and executing it and mm. fulfilling it uh, through Jesus, His Son, yeah. who's referred to in so many ways throughout Scripture. So, I would, my, my encouragement, and you had mentioned this before, is 
maybe take a, take some time and develop a way that you would present uh, the gospel, mm. the saving message of Jesus Christ from strictly the Old Testament. Mm. See where the Spirit takes you. See what you can come up with. And I can almost guarantee you that at some point, God is going to cause an intersection Yeah, where you having prepared with that is uh, he's going to use that. Yeah. It's all scripture is God breathed. Yeah. Not just the new Testament. All scripture is God breathed mm. and is profitable for all these things. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, to, to see Messiah Jesus in the old Testament is, is truly a, um, it's a remarkable thing to pursue. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it, it helps us grow in awe and wonder of God. Yeah. And, um, and, and through that, uh, love him in, in new and deeper ways. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, will you pray for us? Sure. All right, man. Gracious father in heaven, Lord, thank you for, um, this opportunity to, uh, take a brief look into your word, into your revelation, into those things that you desire us to know about you, know about your plan, know about your son, um, not only things from the past, uh, but things even now and certainly in the future. Uh, for we know that you're going to sum up all things in him eventually. And so, Lord, um, I just pray that you would keep it upon us to search all of the scriptures to see um, what you have for us, what you've done. Uh, help us to remember those things, Lord, that that you have accomplished. Mm. And um, and also think of the, the things that are for us now and uh, to look to the future also where, um, Lord, we just know that you're going to set all things right. Mm. We know that you're not done with the work that your servant, your son has to do. And so we, uh, we so look forward to that. So Lord, would you, um, just, um, give us, um, the inspiration and give us the, um, the mind and the heart and the will to pursue you harder and deeper. And, um, God will just commit ourselves afresh unto you. Uh, this night, this day, wherever everyone is. And we ask and pray these things in the matchless name of our Savior, Yeshua, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I've been a coward I've been a fool I've been a liar A hypocrite too You've never wavered You've never moved I get unstable I hang on to you 
and troubles You're steady and sure Through wilderness wanderings Your mercy endures But always know I am Some songs on Crossy Bo.